Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family, planning churches together. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. I am here with Matt Lawson live on location at the Sin Network gathering in the West here in Phoenix, Arizona. Matt Lawson is lead pastor of City City Church, Story City Church, Story City Church. I knew it. I was close. You were close. No, I was close. A lot of city churches yeah. now. Uh, there is. They're, they're, <laughs> they really, they really are. But I mean, we. I mean, just go back. We were just talking about just like being in Atlanta and the in this connecting. Are you from Atlanta? We claim Atlanta. We claim okay. Atlanta's home. But uh, we were there for nine years, North Atlanta. Love it, miss it. Great culture. We just love it. So how long have you been in L.A.? So we moved to L.A. January 2015. So we just passed five years that we've been on site there and planning a church in the city. And uh, been five years now. Five years. And, what, I mean, did you have a team to go out there? Was it just you and you and your wife? I mean, how, how did that all, like, Yeah, you know, it's funny. We had probably... 15, 16 people that had committed from Atlanta to go with us. Mm -hmm. Every one of them got picked off from finances, health, family stuff going on. So we moved as well as a couple uh, that's still on our staff with us. So there were two couples that moved out okay. to Atlanta together, moved in the same day. Yeah. So you started off with 15 strong and it got down to about yeah. four? Oh, well, there were couples? 15 in Atlanta. We, we, we moved to LA with four, with two couples yeah. and our kids. Man. So. Three kids, they had one kid, you know, there were nine of us. Yeah. And that's how we started. We didn't know anybody in LA when we moved there. Okay. We didn't know a single person. We'd only been in LA three days in our life before we moved to LA. All right. Well, I mean, in that, like, a lot of times, you know, guys are going in, I mean, in place, especially a place like Los Angeles. Yeah. The money runs out, the patience, all those different things. But I've heard you're the guru when it comes to raising money. Mm. So that's what I want to talk about. Mm. I want to talk about how do you raise money? What is, like, like foundationally, like, what is the thought about, like, raising money? Yeah, I don't know if I like that title, but I, would, yeah. I love talking about money. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think oftentimes when I talk to church planners, I think fundraising is the part of the process that seems to come, that seems to be the most unnatural. Mm -hmm. Um, I think church planners struggle with raising funds. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a natural ability for most guys. I think it's an acquired skill. Yeah. It's an acquired taste, if you will. And so it's it's uh, it's a part of the process, though that's essential. Yeah. Uh, money uh, can't guarantee your church is going to do well. Money can't replace the supernatural call of God on your life. Uh, money can't solve all of your church's issues. But money can fund the vision. Yeah. Money can fund the mission of your church. And so fundraising is important. And of all the things that I see a lot of guys struggling with, one of the things that's most prominent is the issue of money and finances and having the ability to fund ministry and to fund mission. What do you call it? You say you don't like the title earlier. What do you call it? Because I usually call it ministry partnership. Oh, no, I was talking about the title that you gave me, Fundraising Guru. No, yeah. Fundraising I Guru. I don't, think, okay. I don't think I like being known yeah. as that. You don't like being known as that. I was wondering. I was just like, hmm. Well, yeah, part no, of no, it. No, was, no, no but I mean, I think, and I love the way you started, you know, just more about kind of the the passion, right? It doesn't replace your call. It doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't guarantee success. No. All of those no. things. 
but it can fund the vision, right? Right. You know, and I think that's I think that's a great distinction. You know, I know a lot of guys come to you and ask you, hey, Matt, teach me about how to raise money. And they want the how. Give me the practical. Yeah. But you were talking about, like, what are things that they need to kind of first establish before getting into some of the practical things? Yeah, I think there's some elemental things about fundraising that I think probably need to be foundational to establish the house before you just try to jump in and, 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 and understand the practicals and the how-tos and the best practices of fundraising. And, and I think um, when it comes to fundraising, I think our ability to raise fund is typically dependent on two legs. And, and, and the two legs are, are credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I define credibility as the known observable history of leading multiply ministry with a voice that can confirm it. That's how I define credibility. Okay. Um, and then the second leg is vision. Um, I define vision in terms of church planning and specifically fundraising um, as the ability to assess the missionary context um, and then being able to put clear, actionable steps to reaching that context. And so uh, that's how I define those two. And so I believe those are the two fundamental legs of raising funds in the church planning context. Um, Credibility, oftentimes when you're in front of a donor and they're asking um, questions, the questions they typically ask when it relates to credibility. Have you led multiplying ministry before? They may not ask it exactly like that, but they're wondering that. Mm-hmm. Um, have, you, have you cast vision in such a way where people uh, have got behind it and supported it? Um, and so credibility is an essential piece to it, and the vision piece is also essential. But there's a part of this process where <clears throat> Maybe guys are starting out in, in, in church planning. Maybe it's their first ministry. Maybe they've not done, you know, I was in youth ministry for 14 years. Years ago, youth ministry was sort of the platform that launched you to right. church planting. Um, today, I think we're seeing in seminaries, most of the guys are going directly to church planting. So a lot of guys, this is their first ministry concept. They've never raised funds before. Yeah. And so they don't have credibility. They don't have a, 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 a past history of multiplying ministry. And so I do hear from guys often and say, hey man, this is my first. This is my yeah, first run. Yeah. You know. So what do I do about credibility? And oftentimes I'll say, well, well, I believe in fundraising. We can we can borrow credibility. We can't borrow vision. Mm-hmm. Vision is to be specific to our context, yeah. but we can borrow credibility. Yeah. And oftentimes when we borrow credibility, what that means is there's a gatekeeper. Gatekeepers are p- uh, people that, that that speak and people listen. Mm-hmm. And we can borrow their credibility. I and mean, when we don't have a past history of multiplying ministry, basically people are putting their yes down, not on our past, but they're putting their yes down on our potential. And oftentimes when we don't have credibility, the gatekeeper is the one who will open the door to fundraising opportunities when it comes to credibility. So what does that look like? You know, this guy, you mentioned a seminary guy, you know, a guy that has felt the call to go to a city to start a church. Um, He's, what does it look like to borrow that credibility in, in a way that is you know, is it getting them to come down and cast vision? Is it just kind of name dropping? What what does the borrowed credibility look like? Yeah, I think it can look like several different things. I think ultimately you want to get to a place where you're not only borrowing their recommendation, if you will, um, and that can come in the form of yeah. a lot of different things. Hey, I've got a guy who's raising funds. You, you should talk mm-hmm. to him. Hey, they write a letter on your behalf, you know, they, they write a recommendation letter on your behalf. But ultimately, you want to get to the place where those people who do have credibility are, are raising funds for you. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, and, and, and what I mean by that is um, oftentimes when people see the potential and they understand the vision, they understand the possibility, oftentimes in fundraising, you'll find that those gatekeepers are actually also raising funds for mm -hmm. you. And, uh, and ultimately, that's the place where you really want to get to. But uh, when it turn, in, in terms of borrowing credibility, you know, for us, it just came in the form of, hey, pastor, our pastor is from Atlanta. Hey, pastor, can you write a letter? We're sending letters out to 500 churches. We just, you know, we know a lot of these guys, but a lot we don't. But we know they know you. Could you help us open the door to a conversation? Yeah, that was important to us. So, what do you do with the, the either the indigenous guy or the guy like me right. who is coming in, just planting a church now is being introduced to mm -hmm. SBC or even you know Sin Network, and it's like I don't know anybody. Yes, right. I don't know anybody in this area in in this network. How would you kind of use borrowed credibility in that sense? Yeah, and that that is a challenge. I think the I think the dynamic and the environment for for fundraising and church planning has changed. Even it's changed in five years since we started. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think it's changed. One of the reasons I think is because um, the Sin Network has done such a phenomenal job of of mobilizing church to get behind church plants. But for guys that uh, we, we have a guy that's coming to our city this spring. Um, he has led multiplying ministry in the past. He's a campus pastor for a great church in Vegas, mm -hmm. uh, originally from Los Angeles, but he's not indigenous to our network. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know a lot of guys. He's not buried, but he's been within the organization, a very large organization in Vegas for years and has done phenomenal ministry, but he just doesn't know other pastors. And so for us, uh, we, we see this guy as being a guy who we believe in, we trust in, we wanna double down. And I was just having a conversation even today where we said, you know what? We know some other churches that we believe will get behind a guy mm -hmm. like this, so we're gonna vouch for him. Mm -hmm. he's, not, uh, he's not pitching on his credibility. Uh, he's pitching on our credibility mm -hmm. to bring these guys to the table because we believe once they get in the room with a guy like that, they'll see what we've already yeah, seen. That's it. And yeah. so for guys like that, I think the beauty of the network that we have, the family that we have, is that we can raise funds for each other in these scenarios, in these situations. The kingdom of God is bigger than my little small piece. Yeah, that's huge, that's huge. Okay, so that's the credibility side. Let's talk more about vision. Let's drill down a little bit there. When you, you said that vision is not something you can borrow, vision is something that has to come from within. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I you know, um, vision has to be specific mm -hmm. to our context. And I think donors know when you've done the work of the missionary. Yeah, that's good. They know when you've done the work of a missionary, they know when you understand your context. And I think our ability to cast vision oftentimes is limited by our ability to see what God wants to happen in our city. Okay. And so when we are acquiring vision, you know, you understand there's several elements to vision, and that's acquiring the vision and then casting the vision, but acquiring the vision is, is doing the work of a missionary. It's understanding the city like a, like a spiritual anthropologist. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard a friend and a mentor, you and I both know him out of Kansas City. Um, he was describing the work of a missionary like this. He said, you know, you can see the city through a lot of different eyes. He said, you can see the city through the eyes of a taxi driver. Mm -hmm. The taxi driver will see the problems. Um, you can see the eyes 
Uh, you can see the city through the eyes of a longtime resident. They'll see the problems in the city. They want to know the solutions. You can see the eyes, you can see the city through the eyes of a tourist who has no clue what the problems mm -hmm. of the city are. Mm -hmm. Or you can see the city through the eyes of a cartographer. This was his words. Cartographer is the one that draws the lines. They know mm -hmm. where the they know they know where the neighborhoods are. They know what's happening. I'm so glad you explained. I was like, what is a cartographer? Yeah. I was like, so I don't I, know what a cartographer. He draws is. the maps. You gotta use smaller words. <laughs> you know, as we talk, but go ahead. I'm with you. And so in acquiring vision, doing the work of a missionary, I think our ability to acquire that vision is only limited by our ability to see the city as God sees the yeah, city. that's good. And that work doesn't come easy. And the reason why I say you can't borrow somebody else's vision, in church planning, it's easy to grab a prospectus from Kansas City. Mm. You know, you got a guy, a buddy that's killing it in Miami. Hey man, can I grab your prospectus? And we just cut and paste vision and we begin to cast vision, but vision is really specific to your context. My mm -hmm. context is the entertainment industry. 80% of my people are struggling with the idol of significance, struggling with the idol of control. I need to know my context, how I can speak the gospel to my context. And so as I cast vision, donors know if you have done the work of a, of a missionary. And so that's an important piece to it. Yeah, oftentimes I hear people are church planners going into a city and a lot of times they don't have vision, they have more anti-vision. Mm. Right, they have. It's more of a what we're not going to be and what's wrong with the city already and what's right. you know. How, how important is that when it comes to raising funds that people are not leaving out with necessarily anti-vision but with vision, or do you differentiate the two? Yeah, no, I understand. I think I think I understand, and for sure, um, I, I I do I do see that. I do see guys speak about their city in terms of what's wrong and the problems and the issues. And, and of course the gospel is the solution to all right. of those things. Right. But um, I think vision is most compelling, not from the negative, it's always compelling right. from the positive, yeah. what God is going to do, what God can do, what God is already doing. And, um, and so, you know, in terms of, of speaking of the positive, a lot of times in fundraising, um, uh, I don't know if mistake is the right word, but oftentimes we approach the fundraising moment by saying, hey, my city's got 100,000, 98% are lost, you know, all the statistics. Mm -hmm. and, and, and those aren't the compelling things that a donor wants to hear. The donor wants to hear the stories. Yeah. I mean, Nehemiah had a story before he went to the king. Mm -hmm. He had a passion before he went to the king. And um, as we describe the context of our city, um, in my opinion, I had a preaching professor years ago that said you can preach it from the positive or you can preach it from the negative. Mm -hmm. and, and preaching from the positive is always more compelling. And so I think it's the same is true in fundraising. Yeah, no, that's really good. So let's get to some practical things, right? Sure. I got the credibility or I'm borrowing yours because I need to borrow yours, right? I got the credibility. I got the vision. Now, now what? What do I need to go do? What are some practical steps that you that you tell a person to go out yeah. and do? I think most guys start here. Most guys say, okay, I'm going to the biggest church, the largest church, the church that's mo the, the most well-known. Obviously they're large, they've got a lot of influence, so they must have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I hear guys all the time say, Hey, I'm gonna mail a letter to, I'm gonna contact XYZ Church, and they look up the top, you know, Tom Rainer's top 500 churches. <laughs> You know, they're sending letters to the top 10 and putting all of their chips in that. The reality is those churches operate on a different scale. Yeah. They operate relationally. 
they're going to fund guys they already are in a relationship with. And so I tell guys all the time, don't start with the large churches. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna find a whole lot of low-hanging fruit in those environments. Um, start with building a, a, a list. We started literally with a spreadsheet um, and we put, I think it was over 600 churches we wrote down, names of the pastor, address of the pastor. We probably didn't know a significant percentage of those. That's why the credibility piece was important, borrowing it from mm -hmm. somebody. And, and so um, you gotta start with who, who, who's, my, who's within my sphere of influence. Um, and that sphere of influence grows as you begin to borrow credibility. And so as you begin to make that list and you have to decide how am I going to, how am I going to contact these people? For us, we wrote three letters, one from us, one from our pastor, had a list of references and literally mailed it out, hand addressed every single one of them to 600 and something churches and got a response back from, I don't even know, I don't know, a lot. Yeah. Um, Let's just say you got a response back for about those like 200 of the 600. Yeah, not not even close to that, right. but yeah. But what's the goal from that? Like, are you trying to get a face-to-face? -face? Or yes. is it a phone call? Absolutely. Like, what, are you, what are you trying so to do? So in the letter, uh, in the letter I said, I know your time is valuable. I'm confident you're getting these um, every week. And so I don't want to waste your time. If you could just give me 10 minutes of your time, I'd love to talk to you about what I believe God's going to do in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And so um, I would follow up. I knew everybody that we had mailed, and I had an email list as well. So I followed up by email uh, about 10 days later with every single church that we mailed to and said the same thing. Hey, I know your time's valuable. I sent you a letter, I hope you got it. I would just love 10 minutes of your time on the phone. And I felt like if I could get on the phone with a, a potential partner, I believe we had a great chance of raising funds. And so, you know, I hear of a lot of guys, you know, there's a million different ways to raise funds, but I hear of a lot of guys that are flying everywhere around the country to raise funds. We raised funds literally, I mean, from mailing letters, um, all but maybe one or two partners we actually visited. And I think we ended up with like 58 church partners that funded and, and bought into what God wanted to do. There's a million different ways to do it. That was just how we did it. Yeah. So, so you basically, do, I mean, is it a, a Zoom call, a face-to-face, -face, or just literally a phone call, and that's how you did most of your interaction. It was a 10, 15-minute phone call. Phone call, yeah. I mean, and, and let me tell you why that was why why that could have happened. It wasn't my credibility. You can borrow credibility, right. and I think our ability to raise funds is limited probably by the lower of the two. If my credibility is 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 nine because I've got a Johnny Hunt that's recommending yeah. me, but my vision is a four, I'm not gonna raise level nine capacity of funds. I'm gonna be somewhere in between, but credibility can raise it. And so I felt like the door's open. We call it a gatekeeper. The door's open because someone else vouched for us. And so they already had this, this inherent, this implicit belief that something is happening here. That's why the credibility piece is so important. And I think that that's, that's critical. One last, final question, like if there was this one thing that you would just tell people like, hey, I'm a, a church planner coming into a city, I need to raise money. What would be that one thing that you would just make sure you do this? Yeah, um, well, I, I would probably gravitate towards doing the work of a missionary first. Yeah. So be the real thing. That's do right. The work of a missionary, because people can tell that's right. what they're doing. Uh, and I'll give you a great example, Dahadi. I emceed I the Los Angeles assessment. Um, I do that every year. And last fall, I met a guy named Jacob, church planner out of Fresno. Never met him in my life. Wouldn't know him, probably would never cross paths ever. And as I listened to Jacob tell his story, 
Jacob Zagat came out of drugs, crime, uh, poverty situation. Jacob knew who he was. Mm. Jacob knew who he was reaching. And Jacob was extremely passionate about it. And I'd never met Jacob in my life, but I saw him for three minutes on a stage, explain his passion, know who he was reaching. And I said, I don't need to know anything else. I'm gonna support this guy. Yeah. And our church is gonna support him. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I do the work for missionary. Know, know your context, love your context, love your city. And, um, and, I, and I think it really begins there. Um, That's good. Well. I always say that I believe that authenticity is the apologetic of our day. Mm. And there's people who need to know, are you really bought in? Are you genuine and are you sincere about what what God has both deposited in you and that he can do through you? So mm -hmm. thanks for taking some time out and kicking in with you. Awesome. Enjoy. You have been listening to We Are Sin Network, a resource of the North American Mission Movement. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.